Today, we look at free speech from a few different angles. Twitter, government, and the Supreme Court are all arguing for different things. And most are really missing the point of free speech. And then we take a dark turn, but yet, I hope, a turn into... Well, hope through a life-or-death story. But first, let's take a look at the hope of Christ. I'm Matt Odegaard, and this is Church Public. Welcome back to Church Public. I really appreciate you stopping by today. We have just so much going on in the world today, and I just want to try to make some sense of it. So we're going to continue to just unpack the news. Um, but even before we get to that, I just want to welcome you to this channel, to the podcast. If you have been here before, I really appreciate you. If this is your first time, thank you so much. If you're listening on audio, thank you so much. If you want to see the video, it's out there somewhere. Usually on YouTube, sometimes on other places when I am not on YouTube, because, you know. Anyway, you can check it out there in all the places, uh, on all the podcast places. Hit the like, the subscribe button, the notification button, hit the share button, hit all the buttons. Just mash them all right now. I really appreciate that because I just want this to be a help to you, to your friends, to your family, to anybody who is trying to figure out how to live in this world but not be exactly like this world. In fact, be a Christian in this world. And more and more, it seems... Like, it's harder to be a Christian in this crazy world. So I want to help you with that in any way that I possibly can. So check out the podcast. Listen to previous episodes. There's tons and tons of previous episodes. You can check them out. Uh, as always, you know, feel free to message me. You can always check out um, some of the other resources as well. And you can check me on the socials to posting additional things there. So go and check that out as well at Church Public on all the places. Okay, so... Here's what we have today. Um, what I really want to start with actually is just our place in the world and our place in the world according to God. Like that, that's what I want to talk about. Um, if you're not watching, holding up the Bible again, I want to always come back to the Bible. I'm kind of going to go out of Romans. I, I'm going to gloss through it really fast, give a couple of references, but really read the book of Romans if you haven't before or if you haven't lately because it will help you understand who you are and who you are in relationship to God and who you are in Christ. That's really what it does for you. It's a fantastic book. I highly, highly recommend. So, and also in this Christmas season, depending on when you're listening to this, read the book of John or the book of Luke to understand the actual story of Jesus so that you can understand what you need to do uh, and, and who Jesus is and what Jesus did for you. So, First, to begin, you have to understand that God wants to save you. That's why he sent Jesus into this world. You're listening to this because God loves you and wants to save you through Jesus. And unfortunately, there's a separation between you and God and the one who created the universe, God, and everything in it, all of creation, we are separated from him. You are separated from him. This separation is caused by sin, your sin. Everybody sins. I sin. You sin. Everybody sins. When you didn't live up to the expectations you set for yourself today, that was just a small sin. Consider that God is perfect. God never makes any mistakes. And God expects you to live the same way, to never make any mistakes, which of course, you know, is impossible because you make mistakes. I make mistakes. We all make mistakes. Enter Jesus. This is the season we consider the birth of Jesus and realize something is different about this Jesus. Christians know that the difference is Jesus is God and we need him in our lives. We constantly hurt people and make mistakes. We act like God. 
You do this. I do this. We all do this. On our own, we would all die separated from God, sent to this miserable place of darkness that, well, we deserve because of the mistakes that we've made. But God doesn't want you to be separated from him. God doesn't want you to have a miserable life. In fact, he wants you to have a life full of joy. Jesus says an abundant life. God wants you to experience joy and peace and love. And he wants to show you kindness and mercy, a life full of hope for today and for eternity. That's why God sent his son, John 3, 16, because he loves you. Jesus is the son of God. He has been with God from the beginning. He was with God and he was God. He is God, John 1. This is a great mystery, but God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all one God in three persons. Because all people had sinned, all had fallen short, because we were all separated from God, God became one of us, Jesus became one of us, so that he could save us. God the Son became a human baby, grew up to be a man, taught us what it means to love God, to love others, to love God with our heart and soul and mind and strength, to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus lived and died and rose again so that we could be saved, so that we could be forgiven, and so that we could have hope of raising from the dead ourselves and living forever. Jesus' kingdom of hope has, in fact, already begun. He is the ruler of heaven and earth now. And for those that believe in Jesus, we have a place in that kingdom I pray this season, you realize that you need Jesus in your life. You choose, uh, I hope that you choose, to follow him with your heart and soul and mind and strength. Um, And I hope that you do that today. So now to the headlines. Let's talk about some things. Let's do a a quick story or two and then a couple of deeper ones. We have have this Hunter Biden laptop from hell, as it's been called by some, It's finally confirmed to be real, and the White House is just freaking out about it, and everybody is freaking out about it. But really, it seems like everybody is just freaking out about Elon Musk now controlling Twitter. He bought Twitter for 44 and some billion dollars, with a B, billion dollars, and now he's opening up the floodgates of Twitter. He's letting people back onto Twitter that were kicked off Twitter for all kinds of things, like the Babylon Bee getting kicked off of Twitter for saying that, well, a man is a man. And others. Um, So now that Musk controls Twitter and is letting people say what they want to say or true things in certain circumstances, he's opening up the, or, or maybe say it this way, peeling back the layers to see what has happened over the past couple of years behind the scenes of Twitter, and people are just absolutely freaking out. And again, unfortunately... Uh, this laptop is kind of at the center of a lot of what's going on. Now, I'm not going to get into all of the details of this, but I just want to highlight a couple of things because they're important to a Christian worldview as we go out into this world, whether that's in real life and talking to real people or in the the internet world and, and talking to people through social media, especially through places like Twitter, because they are important, because there is conversation that happens there, however weird it is, and that conversation can either be real in the sense that I can say what I want and you can say what you want, or it can be manufactured in the sense that you can say what you want, but I'm not allowed to say what I want, which is the way it seems to have been over the past several years, at least, maybe longer. We don't know. So journalist Matt Taibbi, great name, released a series of tweets discussing the internal policies of Twitter and free speech, especially surrounding this laptop. Now, 
these tweets, this information was given to him by Elon Musk uh, with a lot of um, instructions. And I'm not going to go through the tweets. You can go and look up the tweets. You can read the tweets. They're interesting. They're, they're concerning. And then also, to some of us who have seen this coming for literally years at this point, are not surprised at all. But some people are really freaking out because once you say a thing to be a true thing, it makes it more real, right? So according to Matt Taibbi, both political parties could, in theory, lobby for the censorship of something, some posts that they um, they objected to. But in practice, the censorship had a bias, and it was a consistent bias, and the bias was towards the Democratic or the leftist side. Um, in fact, just in terms of donations, I think it was something, I don't have the number right in front of me, you can look this up, but it was something in the 99% of Twitter employees' range are on one side of the aisle. I'll let you guess which side that is. So because this system, the censorship system, if you want to call it that, was based on connections, personal favors, people who knew each other, people who used to work together, things like that, the Twitter team, who, again, were very progressive, very leftist, it led them to say yes to the requests of the left far more often than the requests of the right. And the internal documents that were just released, especially by this, um, uh, by this journalist, show the staff regularly removing posts at the request of the Biden team themselves and the Democratic National Committee. This is where it gets to be a problem because if the government is saying to the public square online, i.e. Twitter, uh, you can't have this type of speech on there, but it's not because of crimes or First Amendment things, it's just because they don't like it, then it becomes a problem with what is actually free speech and is there free speech. And in fact, of the reality, there hasn't been a free speech. And that's the problem. Then that's the bottom line. Twitter is the public square. And if free speech is not really free, then how do we know what is real? And that is a problem. And it's a problem that leads us into this weird miss and dis and malinformation that I've talked about many times. And you can either remove that entirely or let people figure it out on their own because people are smart, generally. Or, according to some, people can't figure it out, so we should just remove all of this from them and just let them think that they have all the information, which clearly, now we know, they didn't for a long time. Anyway, it's just a weird zone. And again, many of us have known this for a long time, but now we're in a place where what do we do with that? Perhaps we've entered a new era of speech with Elon at the helm, or maybe we've returned to an old uh, era of speech. But the reality is, the reality is bigger than that. And so Twitter is a problem. And, and, and Twitter maybe is now a solution where you can say more things for free. I don't know. I think the bigger reality that I want to point to is that the culture doesn't want truth. What you're seeing is the culture, the politicians, the celebrities, the news, quote unquote, are all saying that Twitter is now evil. Elon is now evil. You just shouldn't be allowed to say whatever you want to say, even though that's what free speech really is. It's not letting people say anything that they want to say, but being okay with things that you don't like. And that's really hard for some people. They'd rather just not hear it. But rather than just turn off your computer, turn off your screen and not listen, they would prefer that speech doesn't exist. And this is the deep issue. This is the reality that the culture just doesn't want real truth. And I mean, I would even say this issue goes all the way back to the garden that we read about in Genesis where the devil introduces the very first lie. And now we ride that lie all the way till today. 
when the devil introduces this lie to Adam and Eve, immediately Adam and Eve begin to lie as well. That's just how this goes. The devil asks them, did God really say? Um, in other words, what is truth? Is that really true? Is God really true? That's the lie of the devil, the question of the devil, the fundamental question that the world will always question. Did God really say? What is truth? As Pilate asked Jesus. And the believer should be on the other side of that consistently and constantly and always say, well, there is a truth, and the truth has a name, and the name of truth is Jesus. And that's the basis of Christianity, that we can actually find truth. We can actually know what truth is, and the world just doesn't like that. So let's leave Twitter for now and just talk about other freedom and religion and freedom of speech. So interestingly, this week, the Supreme Court has a, has a possibly very consequential case right now. So right now, the Supreme Court is arguing religious freedom. Um, they are hearing a, a court case via NPR. The headline is, Supreme Court Hears Clash Between LGBTQ and Business Owners' Rights. I'll read a little bit from that article, and then we'll talk about it. So from the NPR article, the U.S. Supreme Court hears arguments Monday, that was a couple days ago, in a potential landmark case that pits two cherished constitutional principles against each other. Uh, I'll pause and just say it's... Uh, a day or two after that at this point, and they're still talking about it because this is still an issue. Anyway, I'll continue on the article. One side are laws that guarantee same-sex couples equal access to all businesses that offer their services. On the other are business owners who see themselves as artists and don't want to use their talents to express a message they don't believe in. I'll continue on in this article for a moment. The plaintiff in the case, Lori Smith, is a Colorado web designer who, for the past decade, has created all kinds of custom websites for clients. She says, quote, the pieces I create are art. They are one of a kind. They are unique. I cannot create something that violates the core of what I believe. And we'll pause there and say, this is just religion, period. I mean, that's just what religion is. Religion is doing what you know is right all of the time and not saying, well, in this one instance, I'll just ignore my conscience. I'll ignore the tenets of my religion. I mean, whether you're a Christian or Muslim or Jew or whatever, like if you actually believe the religion, if you actually live in the religion or faith that you have, of course you do this. Of course you act this way. And yet, for some reason, as we've talked about a lot on this channel, the culture says, no, you're only allowed to have that religion in your box, in your home, maybe in your church. That's it. Let's continue on with this a little bit more. Smith says that because of Colorado's public accommodations law, she cannot do what she wants to do, custom web designs for weddings. The reason, she says, she believes marriage should only be, excuse me, marriage should only be between a man and a woman, aka the biblical form of marriage, the cultural form of marriage for basically all of time until the last five minutes, etc., etc. We've talked a lot about this. She goes on to say, quote, speakers don't lose their rights when they enter the public square and try to earn a living. I have to stop there and say, Right. Exactly. That's exactly the point. Uh, Kristen Wagoner, the lawyer representing Smith in the Supreme Court case, draws a constitutional line at this place that though they leave their house, though they even leave their church, they still get to do what their religion compels them to do. She, Kristen Wagoner, is the president and chief counsel of Alliance Defending Freedom, making the case for this website designer before the Supreme Court this week. She made it clear the key issue is what is known as compelled speech. In other words, should you be forced 
to say what the government or anybody wants you to say? That's the question. Her answer would be no. My answer would be no as well. The biblical answer would be no as well, by the way. And if you don't believe that, I mean, read through the story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, I mean, I could go on with a lot of a lot of different areas, but but the bottom line is there's a lot of, of times in the Bible when speech is, is, is intended to be compelled by a ruler, a leader, or whatever, and the believer doesn't because that's not how we that's not how we are we have to say true things so uh, Wagoner says quote the line is the government doesn't have the power to compel an individual to speak she continues it's simple and this has stood the test of time it's protected by the first amendment end quote she uh, uh, continues on the rationale is the same um for a black sculptor who doesn't want to design for the Aryan Church, for the Democratic Party publicist who doesn't want to ad- advocate for Donald Trump's agenda. Um, that is her analogy is pretty appropriate. I mean, anyway, let's continue on. So the First Amendment to the United States Constitution assures a constitutional right of free speech. It's important to understand this right. It's important to understand this right that it, because it goes in both directions. So on the one hand, you cannot be prevented from saying what you need to say. That is your right of free speech. You can say it. And people might not like what you have to say. I might not like what you have to say. You might not like what I have to say. But that's the beauty and the difficulty of free speech. You can't stop someone from saying something. But the other thing is also true. The government cannot make you say something that you don't want to say, right? It's both directions. So they can't stop you from saying something that is protected by your free free speech rights, excuse me. But they also can't make you say something that you don't want to say that is against your beliefs, your religion, your faith, right? And that's where this lies. It lies in the latter. It lies in the place where this artist, web designer, is saying the state of Colorado wants her to say something via a website that she cannot say because she has beliefs. She has faith. They want her to say that a woman and a woman are married or a man and a man are married and make a website for them. And she just says, no, I don't want to do that. And this is a creative product. This is a speech that I can create. And she doesn't want to do that. Wagoner says about Lori. Quote, Lori Smith blends art with technology to create custom messages using words and graphics. She serves all people deciding what to create based on the message, not who requests it. This court rejects such government-compelled speech. Wagoner continued by saying, if the government may not force motorists to display a motto, school children to say a pledge, parades to include banners, by the way, all those established Supreme Court precedents, Colorado may not force Miss Smith to create and speak messages on pain of investigation, fine, and re-education. End quote. But the real issue here is the religious liberty in the context of free speech. And this is where it gets sticky and where we have to understand the Christian context of this. And this case, believe it or not, relates to you. Yes, regardless of who you are, of what you do. Because if the government or whomever can force Lori Smith to make statements that violate her Christian conscience, you can also be forced to say things that violate yours at school, at work, or really anywhere in quote-unquote public or whatever this 
uh, case this this state government deems appropriate. Because what they would say is, I even listened to to one of the arguments today, and I didn't clip it for you. You can go and listen to it if you want. Um, that said, uh, the essence of are they allowed to say whatever they want? And the the um, response was, well, it's a public business, so no, they can't say whatever they want. But that's kind of a ludicrous statement. What is a public business? What is a private business? This is a private business because it's owned by a person. Um, otherwise, you would say, well, a private business is a business that doesn't do any business with the public. I mean, every business does business with people. Unless you're saying that a business is only private if they don't actually do business with any people, which literally doesn't make any sense because then how can you be a business if you don't literally do business with other people? Like every business does business with other people, but that doesn't make it public. It's private because it's owned by a private person, right? I mean, all this should be common sense, but unfortunately we live in a world that doesn't have common sense anymore. So this is still a private business and the private business should be able to do business with whom they want to do business with. The government of Colorado is saying, no, you have to do business with whom we tell you to do business with, period. Which, again, according to Wagoner, uh, the attorney in this case, would be compelled speech, right? But all that to say, if that was confusing, here's the best way that I think we can look at it. This web designer, just like the cake baker who you may have heard about earlier, who was asked to bake a cake for uh, a couple he did not agree with religiously uh, or morally. This web designer is not denying anyone the right to buy her products. She's not. She's saying, I will make products. You can buy my products. No problem. She's instead saying she doesn't want to make a product that denies her religious beliefs. Like, do you see the difference here? This is, this is, I think, the crux, and this is the important point that we really have to, to get granular on and, and understand. This web designer is saying, I'll make products, and I'll make the best products that I can make. But you can't tell me which products to make, right? She doesn't want to produce a product that denies her religious beliefs. And that's what's being asked. The state of, of Colorado is saying, you have to build a product that goes against your beliefs because we say you have to. That's what's wrong with this. That's why this is an attack on free speech, but not only free speech, also freedom of religion. Anyone can buy the product produced. No one should be forced to produce what they don't want to. That's the bottom line of this. All right, enough of websites and cake designs. We're going to take a turn, and this is a terrible turn, but we, we have to make this turn because I think it's important to talk about. We have to turn to the terrible topic of suicide, and I don't want to, but we have to. Uh, and he, the reason we have to is this is a terrible time in human history with, unfortunately, the highest suicide rate of all time. And unfortunately, we have organizations, media, marketing departments, and even countries that want to push you towards suicide instead of teaching you the value of actually living life, however hard it might be. And that's what's really sad about this story, but we have to talk about this because this is important, and I'm seeing more and more and more of it. Right now, most of it is coming from places like Canada, which is really weird, but this is where it's coming from. So this story is from Canada. A Canadian Armed Forces veteran who is suffering from PTSD is offered suicide instead of treatment. So according to Fox News, a Canadian Armed Forces veteran suffering from PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and a traumatic brain injury was offered medical assistance in dying, MAID, by an employee of the Veterans Affairs Canada, Christine 
I don't know how to pronounce this exactly. I'm going to say Gautier. It might be right. It might be wrong. Anyway, I apologize for that. Uh, 52-year-old retired corporal uh, who competed in the 2016 Paralympics at Rio de Janeiro testified to lawmakers that a VA official had offered, in writing, to provide her with a medically-assisted suicide kit. The case officer remains unnamed, reportedly made sim similar offers to at least three other veterans, according to the outlet The Independent. She says, quote, I have a letter saying, if you're so desperate, madam, we can offer you MAID, medical assistance in dying. Gautier said in a hearing before the House of Commons Veterans Affairs Committee. The Veterans Affairs Committee released a statement last week, said, quote, medical assistance in dying was discussed inappropriately, end quote. The department pledged that appropriate administrative action will be taken after the veteran expressed outrage at the suggestion. So let's stop a moment and see what's going on here. According to the report, the veteran called the Veterans Assistance Committee seeking support for the PTSD, medical support, counseling, whatever. When this poor lady who served the country and competed in the Olympics said, hey, can you help me out? They said, well, we can help you by killing yourself or euthanasia as, as the euphemism would be. Apparently unprompted, this was brought up. The veteran poorly was shocked by this. Um, th this is the problem, right? Uh, apparently, this, this soldier had may even been making progress with rehabilitation, but the agency says, hey, you should just kill yourself instead. This is a terrible story. Um, according to some outlets, this may have been isolated, but it may have not been. We don't know. That's That's the problem with it. Who has also been offered this MAID, medical assistance in dying, with those suffering from PTSD? Is this the first thing out of their mouths? I mean, I hate to say things like this, but it costs less to say, hey, why don't you euthanize yourself rather than us spending time and money on you? That's terrible, but if you're just going from a completely financial situation, of course that makes sense. It's brutal, terrible, and immoral, but... From a state perspective, maybe that's what's going on here. And the reality is, in Canada, MAID, Medical Assistance in Dying, was legalized in 2016. And in 2021, amendments broadened the eligibility. And in 2023, it will even be extended to people suffering just from mental disorders and depression. In other words, next year, if you are depressed, you can just say, well, I guess I'm going to end it. And the state will help you do that. This is a terrible thing to do. Uh, and, and the reality is, as I was looking at this, I had actually flagged a couple of weeks ago. I didn't, I didn't get to the story, but a Canadian fashion company, uh, La Maison Simon, uh, I'm going to pronounce it in French because maybe it is. I, again, I, I don't know. but um, Or La Maison Simons, if you're an American, promoted the beauty in voluntary euthanasia, again, suicide in a promotional video titled all is beauty the ad includes a voiceover from jennifer hatch a 37 year old canadian woman who voluntarily euthanized herself after suffering from ehlers danlos syndrome this is a really big problem apparently it's bigger than i had realized it's apparently bigger than most people had realized why is suicide such a thing we we shouldn't endorse this we shouldn't uh we shouldn't promote this and yet this is what we're seeing. We're seeing this being promoted, uh, being 
pushed. Uh, and then I was reading about this, and, and this uh, came out too. Um, there is a mainline Canadian denomination who is offering a prayer to help people commit medically assisted suicide. Yes, this is a real thing. I'm not making it up. And it is out of the United Church of Canada to help sick and disabled people follow through with their lethal procedure. Um, I just, I, this is heartbreaking to me. It, it really, really is sad. Um, you know, this is called The Prayer in the Midst of Fear, co-authored by United Church of Canada minister and former co-president of Dying with Dignity, an advocacy group supporting the legal, legalization of assisted suicide in Canada. It was described as an exercise in radical autonomy. In other words, doing whatever you want to do. Um, the supplication, the prayer, centers upon asking God that family members would accept their loved one's decision to kill themselves with the aid of medical professionals, making no mention of eternal life secured through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The prayer attempts to embrace uncertainty about death. And in fact, this, this prayer goes on for a long time. I'm not even going to read it. I'm not going to read it to you. You can go and look it up if you want. I wouldn't even necessarily encourage that. It just is incredibly depressing to note that, you know, a church, church leaders um, are promoting ending your life. I, I mean, this is not Christian. It's clearly demonic. Um Apparently, 3.3% of overall death in Canada is suicide. Um, and it's really, it's, it's really, really sad to me. I, I'm going to, here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to just, uh, I'm going to come into the Christian view, the actual Christian view, because I think that's important. I think that's important. And I think that's where we'll kind of land and end and, and, and get some things going here. So the Christian view. Exodus 20, 13, the sixth commandment, you shall not murder. Um, suicidal thoughts are murderous thoughts. You, you should turn from them. You should live in the grace and truth of Jesus. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139, 13 through 14. Suicide is self-murder. It's the most extreme form of self-hate. 1 John 3, 15, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know no murderer has eternal life. Now, this doesn't mean that murderers cannot be forgiven, but forgiven people are not premeditated murderers. That, that's just not how it works. The grace of Christ is a grace of hope and love and truth. This is the fruit of being born again in Jesus Christ. Evil advertisements like this one that we just read about, where it's romanticized to end your life, or government programs who offer to end your life or your suffering by helping you end your life, these must just all be condemned as hateful and immoral. Don't take your life for yourself, but give your life for Jesus Christ. Apostles, martyrs for Christ, have suffered and died at the hands of evil men for centuries, and in fact, suffer still. I was reading a story about Nigeria and all of the trouble that's going on in Nigeria. There are tens and tens, maybe even hundreds of Christians that are being persecuted and killed daily in Nigeria for their faith. And in fact, even Jesus went through a terrible persecution and death for our sake and didn't consider ending his own life, but freely gave up his life for us. God is the only one who can take life because he's the only one who can give life. So I'll end with this. That was a rather dark place to go, but we have to know it and we have to understand it. And the reason we have to understand it is we have to call out this evil and we should help people where they're struggling. If you're struggling, if someone you know is struggling, help them. 
Don't assist them in succumbing to this. Don't give up hope. Don't believe the devil's lies. We talked about this at the beginning. Don't get sucked into this culture's morbid obsession with death. And yes, there is one. We just made through Halloween where clearly there is a huge proportion of people who are just obsessed with death. Instead, live in the hope, live in the grace of Jesus, even when this life is impossibly hard. We're moving into the Christmas season where we should be celebrating hope. We should be celebrating all of the things that Jesus brings to us. And I hope that you do. If you got to this point and you're still struggling, go back and listen to the beginning again. Hear the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. I know this was kind of a deep and heavy uh, episode, but I hope that you appreciate it, and I hope that it actually turns you from this despair into hope, because through Jesus, that's really where we find our hope. That's really where we find our peace. That's really where we have the things that we cannot have in this world, and unfortunately, that's where a lot of this world, a lot of where this culture is. This culture is stuck in a place that it just cannot get out of because it's trying to find the way to hope and peace um, and faith through worldly means, through cultural means, through the lies that this cultural, culture gives, and they're never going to find it because those things don't exist in this culture. The only way, the only place you can find hope, the only place you can find peace, the only place you can find love really is in Christ. And I hope that you do, especially in this Christmas season. For Church Public, I'm Matt Odegaard, and I hope that you keep the faith.